Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. All right. Good morning again. It's just me. You're just going to see a lot of me. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, as I said, my name is Taylor, and I'm excited to wrap up our Family Foundation series. This has been one of my favorite series. I absolutely love talking about family and the importance of it and just how key it is in our lives. Um, I was absolutely blessed to have an amazing family growing up. I had two wonderful parents. I know that I was blessed in that, and they are actually here today. So you guys will pay me for saying that later, right? Okay, got it. All right. Venmo me. Okay, thank you. So, uh, don't worry, I was not actually paid to say that. However, I do really, really love my family, and I think that, you know, when we can really find God's call for our family, uh, no matter what it looks like, we are able to really thrive in that, and it is a gift and an absolute blessing. Um, However, today we are actually going to be talking about uh, more than just what's called our nuclear family. The nuclear family or the immediate family is uh, blood relatives, people who, you know, parents, siblings, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, that's kind of like the, the nuclear family. But today we're going to talk about something called family circles. And these are the voices that are outside our, uh, outside our circle of connection. So family circles are the community that you are in that extends past your immediate family and into your circles of influence and interaction on a regular basis. All right. So we're really going to hone in on this today because we've spent the last three weeks kind of building up the foundation for it, but then we really want to look at, okay, it's not just about our immediate family. This is also about where are we placed in life, who's our community, and who are the circles we interact with. I think all of us can probably think of someone growing up, if I were to ask you to pause real quick, think back to when you were growing up and one person besides your parents who was an influence in your life. Whether they maybe were a teacher or a coach or a Sunday school leader or maybe just someone you live next door to, like a neighbor, and they had a positive influence on your life, that is kind of what it's like to be a part of the community and then have family circles. Other voices speaking into our lives in a positive and influential way. So growing up, I actually had a I didn't really have like a consistent youth pastor. We kind of had more of uh, youth leaders, adults who would kind of fill that role and transition in and out. And they were all absolutely wonderful. I loved all of them. But there was never really a consistent adult kind of pouring into my life until I joined a group called uh, Speech and Debate. We were called In Truth. And In Truth was our debate club. And we have a picture. I'm not really sure, but oh well. You don't maybe get to see high school Taylor. Aha, there it is. Great, now you do. (laughs) So uh, if you can see, I'm the one in the green shirt about right there. I know. I was a sophomore, I think, in that picture. I'm not really sure. Um, And then, as you can see, we did speech and debate. So it was a bunch of high schoolers all thrown together that were supposed to go up and present things in front of people. But we had an amazing coach. His name was Mr. Gallagher. We called him Mr. G. Mr. G is off on the side over here. And he was probably what I would consider my version of a youth pastor. He was a consistent voice and adult in my life who positively encouraged me and spoke into my life. And I distinctly remember one year I was doing debate. It was my junior year. I had a terrible debate round. Absolutely the worst. I mean, 
I was embarrassed. I'm pretty sure the other team was probably laughing at us. We just did not do well. And I remember leaving the debate round and I went to the restroom and I was crying and I was like, I'm never speaking ever again and I'm never gonna talk in front of people ever again. And I was so upset. And I remember my mom came in and she's like, Mr. G's outside, he wants to talk to you. And I was like, no, can you get fired from a club? Like, I don't know if you can, but in my mind, that's what I thought. So I go outside and I'm like, Mr. G, I'm so sorry. I've really let you down. It's just the worst ever. And, and, and he let me kind of get it all out. And he just would stand there and nod like this. He didn't say much. And he, he was a lawyer. He really knew when to speak and when not to speak. Like he knew. He was like, okay. And then finally I calmed down and he was just like, Taylor, do you think that just because you messed up or failed at one round, it means that you are not supposed to speak the rest of your life or that God has not gifted you to speak the rest of your life. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and he was like, I really think you need to try again. Like you need to kind of come back and do this. Because I was kind of on the verge of either just like quitting or I was like, I just won't try my hardest next year. I clearly don't have a gift for this. I don't want to do this. And I think that he was probably, I can honestly say, I think he was one of the only adults outside of my parents who told me that I might actually enjoy and have a gift for speaking. One of the only adults. And that was kind of my boost to go into my senior year. And I went ahead and continued into my senior year doing speech and debate. And my senior year was by far one of the best years I had. I did so well. I was proud of myself. I worked really hard. And I really grew in like my speaking ability. But without him telling me he was an adult that God placed in my life for that specific time to reinforce and positively encourage me to then follow after what, you know, what God could have possibly had for me. And God will sometimes put people into our lives to actually do this. And so that's why we have to keep in mind that when we're talking about family circles, it is the community that extends past our immediate family and that positively influences our lives, especially as a younger generation. And God's call for, for this foundation, call for this, uh, this family Christian community, we seriously underestimate as a Christian community the positivity that we actually bring to pouring into others' lives and not just staying in like our little bubble. Not just staying in, oh, this is my family, we're going to stay to ourselves, we're just going to keep here. And God actually has so much more a part of the Christian community for us than what we think, and we seriously underestimate it. The power of positive Christ-centered voices speaking into the lives of our children. Because you and I both know that if you're a parent, you can say something to your child, and they will go, that is not true, and I don't believe you. And they can turn around, and someone that they look up to, looks up to can say literally the exact same thing you said, and they'll go, that is a piece of wisdom I've never heard in my life, and it is brilliant. And you're like, I just said that yesterday. Why weren't you listening? And so there's these moments we need to have these other voices that are speaking and reinforcing into our families' lives. So today we're gonna dive into actually what a biblical community looks like. Because in order to understand how we're supposed to function in this community and in our family foundations, we have to first see what it actually means to be a part of a biblical community that God has for us, okay? So, 
what is actually a biblical community? So biblical community, I love this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27 says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. And I love this verse because I really feel like it kind of connects us as, as the body of Christ, as individuals, into really being there in the hard times and being there in the joyful times. This isn't just about like, oh, I'm here when everyone's like super happy-go-lucky. I'm here when things are really not going well. But there's a couple different things that we have to look at. While I want this to kind of be a, a good picture for a key verse for us, there's actually a lot of different things I want us to look at today. And there's a couple key aspects to what God's community looks like. First of all, God's community is selfless and loving, all right? Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. A selfless community is called to love one another, and there are many times that we see in the Bible that God calls his people to band together, love one another, serve one another selflessly, and put each other above ourselves, which is very anti what the world can say sometimes. It's like, no, look out for you only. When really God says, no, 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 the community I have for you, you guys need to be looking out for each other as well. Loving each other, being selfless. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are called to serve each other in word and deed by being a loving community. It's the kind of community that when someone who is new walks into our community circles or interacts with us maybe or is invited randomly into something like a life group, that they can see, based on how we interact with each other, they can see that God is real. Like, wouldn't that be so cool if someone walks in and they immediately know that there must be a God because these people really know how to support, love, and care for each other and put each other first? This is kind of the example of what God's community is. A great example of this is actually, uh, I love our MOPS groups. If you don't know what MOPS is, it's Mothers of Preschoolers. And I absolutely love MOPS because my office sits uh, right over there and I get to see them all park. And during the wintertime, I especially love it because I get to see all the little preschoolers walk by in their puffy jackets. And they can't walk, so they're kind of waddling like this because they got their puffy jackets on. And I love it. It's like my favorite part of Wednesday mornings because I'm like, oh my goodness, they're so cute. And so I watch them walk by, and they meet on Wednesday mornings, and we have a great, amazing team that works with them. But when I first got here, I noticed that I was like, wow, there's some ladies in there who do not have preschoolers. There were some ladies in there that I was like, uh, your kids are my age, so why are you in there because you don't have preschoolers? And then sooner or later, I realized, I started asking about it, and there are some ladies who will go into this mops, mothers of preschoolers, and they will just be there for them, for these young moms, they will talk to them, they will hold a baby, they will ask them how their week went, they'll pour into the leadership and mentor and advise. They're just there. They're just present. They, uh, they, they sacrifice their Wednesday mornings and, and meetings during the week so that they can go and they can pour into these, these young moms. And I just think that that is the most beautiful thing. Because can you imagine being maybe a brand new mom not a part of maybe the Christian community, and you walk into that, and there is someone there who literally is just there to check and see how you are. Like, that would be amazing. And so we have this beautiful example of how God wants to set us up 
as a community to be welcoming arms to people who really need to hear about his love, and then in our community when we're already here to be that, that loving and caring support for them. We are called to support and walk alongside families, and families you are called to get connected so that we are all pouring into each other. And this actually leads us into then another aspect of what God calls our Christian community to look like, which is it supports and it challenges. God created our community for growth so that we may become more like Christ. Now, this is the part of community that not everyone likes. This is really the part that's really difficult because growth means we can be uncomfortable. It is not a loving community. We like the loving community. We're like, oh, that's awesome. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. Yeah, I love my community. And then when we get to the support and the growth part, God designed community for us to grow and become more like Christ, but in order to become more like Christ, sometimes we have to be uncomfortable because growth is difficult. And so James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. To be in a community where we take our struggles and instead of judging, we actually receive guidance, teaching, grace, and forgiveness. And sometimes that swift kick in the rear that we actually need because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. A community that lets us just kind of sit and not do anything about the parts of our life that that we really need God to speak into is not as loving as we think. When we intentionally build community, we then start building around us circles of people who then earn the right to speak life into our lives and to speak hard truth into our lives sometimes. Jesus did it. He would look at his disciples all the time and he'd be like, that's not really the point of that story that I told. But, you know, good try, but this is actually what it says. He would lovingly give them the truth. And so we have to surround ourselves, even though it's hard and uncomfortable, we have to surround ourselves with people who will call us out sometimes and to hold us to grow closer to God. God's community should be a place that we can find people to guide us for growth. Think of it this way. If you've been a part of any job, sport, show choir, uh, I don't, like insert whatever it might be that requires a team or a coach or a mentor, you and I both know that the least loving thing that that coach can probably do for you is to never give you any constructive critique. The least loving thing is say you're on a sports team and you are throwing the ball completely wrong. Like it could not be more wrong. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. Am I doing this right? And they're like, you look great. Nice job. Just keep going. Yep. Yep. Just like that would be so unloving because they're not there to, they're not there for your growth. They're not there for your betterment. They're not there because they want to see you succeed. The most loving thing that a coach can do and the best, most constructive thing they can do is go, hey, This is what you're doing really well, but at the same time, if you can adjust this, this is actually how to actually throw the ball. (laughs) Like if we kind of can realize that it can be constructive and positive, this is where we get to feed into each other's lives and actually help each other grow. But this is hard. And God knows that we need this because this is even more important in a community of believers. We cannot just let each other just sit around and let each other not notice the parts in our life that God is speaking into. Now, I do want to say this. This means we have to get involved in community. 
But for me personally, like I have a list of people that I know I can go to and they will give me the hard truth in love, but they have kind of earned that spot in my community because they've gotten to know me. I know that they love me. I know that they're for me. But I also know that sometimes they're like, Taylor, you are really not thinking. But I have to intentionally seek that out. We can't just immediately go up to someone and be like, welcome to the community, let me tell you everything that's wrong with you. (laughs) That's not how that works. But it's about building the people around us to point us to God so that then we can draw closer to God, even when it's difficult. Support doesn't mean solving each other's problems, but it's about having someone's back and intentionally finding those people who can speak into your lives. When you need prayer, when you need guidance, when you just need help. And as families and as the family of God, we have to support each other and guide each other to help us grow to become more like Christ and help us be better followers of Christ, whether we're parents or siblings or grandparents or children, whatever we are, wherever we fall in the family. We need that. And then finally, to kind of follow up more of the more difficult part, we have to be a community that comforts and encourages And so as a community that comforts and encourages, I kind of actually surveyed a couple of our teens as they went ahead and they, I was like texting them throughout the week as I was preparing for this message. And I was talking to them and I was like, hey, what is one person that has poured into your life or has made an impact, a positive impact on your life outside of your parents and why? So I got a couple different stories back. I got a couple different text messages back. And one of the key themes that I saw in every single one of the stories was they all said it was an adult that took time to listen, check on me, and walk with me through daily life. Those were the three things that kind of consistently followed the pattern, whether it was a teacher or a Sunday school leader or maybe an aunt and uncle or maybe it was a neighbor or a mentor. It, it, it all varied on who it was, but the key thing was overall a consistent impact that someone had simply by listening, encouraging, and advising them. And I hear stories about this all the time from my teens, okay? All the time I will have my teens come up and say, well, so-and-so means a lot to me, and you ask why, and usually the answer is because they took time to see me, because they took time to hear me and encourage me, And then once you hear, encourage, and see them, then they start coming to you and going, I don't know what to do in this situation. I need help. We're often very quick to advise and not quick to listen first. And so the comfort and encouragement that we provide, see, teens need that, but I think adults, honestly, we desperately want and need that too. We just hate admitting it. Like, we hate admitting the fact that we actually need people to encourage and comfort us, to pour into our life. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I was raised in a family where we had a phrase that said, when one good thing happens to one Mabry, it happens to all Mabrys. And when one bad thing happens to one Mabry, it happens to all Mabrys. That was our family motto. I heard my parents say it. I heard my uncles actually say it. Like, it was just kind of a thing that we said. And then that we held to. I can distinctly remember being a kid and being very upset that my brothers would maybe get something 
and I did not, and then my parents would be like, when one good thing happens to one Mabry, it happens to all Mabrys. And of course, as a kid, I'm like, yeah, 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 but I still wanted that. But as an adult, especially, I really see how that positivity and that encouragement and that joy that we are filled with when we are with others is actually something that then bleeds over when we start to implement that in our regular life. Because I have to say, so I've been a part of the same life group for probably almost four years now, I think. And this life group has kind of become a a second family because we've done a lot of several years together. And they are honestly the, the like first people next to my parents and family and then like my best friends maybe. They are literally the next people on the list to get prayer requests or to get when I'm like, hey, I'm struggling. Like, we have kind of built this, this uh, environment and this life group of encouragement to the point where like if I was maybe in an accident tomorrow and needed meals or something, literally they would be the first people at my door. And I know this because we've actually been through things where we've had to be that for each other already. Like it's happened. This is not just hypothetical. But we've taken time to sit together, to comfort each other, to encourage each other, and to push each other in a way that kind of creates this circle, this family circle that then pours into our foundation in life. And, and I get that it can be hard because me personally, I'm someone who's more like a do-it-yourself sort of person. I'm like, no, no, no. I can tough it out. I got it. Like, I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. I'll solve the problem, whatever the problem is in my life. And that's kind of very common in our world. Our world doesn't like asking for help. Our families have to be put together. No one can know that we're struggling. No one can know that we're having difficulty. Our tendency as humans is to go, no, 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 I'm fine. My kids are fine. My marriage is fine. My life is fine. When really our one child is almost flunking out of school, our other one can't get along with any of their friends, so they don't have any, and our marriage is completely falling apart. And we're all hiding it. And then if you're maybe not married, you're sitting there and you're going, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anyone. I I got this. I can handle it. I got a new job. I'm going to be able to keep it together. And actually really deep down where we haven't talked to maybe our siblings in months and our parents are declining in health and we just don't know how to do this adult thing. And so we really struggle to keep it together. That is what the enemy would love for us to do, to just say, no, I'm fine, and not need anyone. When God actually calls us into a place of vulnerability and support that actually can help us thrive and have people around us to pour into that part of our lives. Because really, at the end of the day, we ultimately need family circles Because the body of Christ is meant for us to have a shoulder to cry on, a listening ear, and a support to make it another day, and to actually grow closer to God. That is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And no matter what we think, we have to admit the fact that we need community. Our families do, and we personally do. And I know that this can be a difficult topic because maybe you haven't been a part of a positive community. Maybe you haven't been a part of a a community that has been able to pour into your life, and instead you've actually been hurt by community. And I'm here to tell you that I get it. Humans can be difficult, and hurt people hurt people. But in God's 
idea of community, he calls us to a higher standard. And here at the Valley especially, we want to live to that standard of community. We want to strive for that. Even though we will mess up, even though we're not perfect, we want to look forward to that. And as an individual Christian, we have to also then go, what is my responsibility in this? If you guys over the last few weeks got some little booklets that are actually, we have extras in the back, so you can still go ahead and take these home and do these. But we have these little booklets that walked you through each week of the Family Foundation series, and maybe if you missed it, you can go back and rewatch them and kind of follow the booklet along and do it with your family. And the, the questions for this week was two different questions that I thought were perfect questions for us to actually look at how do we apply this to our lives. Because it's great to talk about community. It's awesome. I love talking about community. But it's a whole other thing to actually apply what it means to have family circles in our life. So the first question that we actually have to ask ourselves is, who are the people that speak into us? What do your circles look like? Are you actually engaged in other circles? What do they look like? When you look around at who your circles are, what do they appear to be? I was researching this sermon for the sermon, and I kind of ran across this quote from this guy named uh, Dr. Dan Siegel. He's a, a clinical professor at UCLA School of Medicine, and he, I was reading an article of his, and I ran across this quote, and I thought that it was just absolutely beautiful, where he explains the value of having other people outside parents pour into our children's lives. And he said, the more supportive communities children are a part of, the more aware they become of their interconnected world. These integrated relationships lead to more communication between different areas of the brain, which builds a child's ability to self-regulate their emotions, their mood, their empathy, and their behavior, and more. The community that we are in directly influences our development and our growth. So imagine then why it's so important that God says, be a part of the Christian community. Because he knows that it will be a key role in our child's overall development and overall growth. Who are we actually allowing to speak into our lives? Who are we allowing to speak into our children's lives? Who are we then allowing to speak into our personal lives? Because this isn't just about our children, this is about us as well. Who are your circles? Do you have those circles of influence? Are you trying to build those circles of influence? And we need to be seeking out who can become our circle and consistently show up and engage in God's community. And I'm not just talking about plugging people in with your own age. That's awesome. We do need age-specific relationships. We need people who are going through the same phase of life as us. That is awesome. That is important. I do not want to say that that is not. It absolutely is. But we desperately also need multi-generational relationships. We have to seek out circles to build into our lives that are more than just age-specific. And here at the Valley, that's also why we encourage you to join life groups of all ages we encourage you to join a, a, a journey study, which is usually where you're paired up with a mentor, so you can learn from someone of another age, to serve, because then you're serving alongside people of other ages. This multi-generational ministry is key because pouring into each other of all ages is really important. And I want to talk specifically to those who are graduating college or graduating high school right now, or you're in a, tr like a transition phase. Like, it is so important to be plugged into a community once you transition out of high school and once you transition out of college or that college age. It is important because 
Who you surround yourself with will dictate directly your growth and like how much you will thrive in life and your support in this next phase of life. And it is really easy to disengage during transitions. It is. It is so easy because you go to school or maybe you have a maybe you're not going to college but you go to to go start working and all of a sudden they start scheduling you for Sundays or they start, you know, like hey, our friends are hanging out on Sunday morning, we're going to go do this or Saturday night, we're going to be up super super late or and it's not just about Sundays, but then like during the week, it's easy to start to unplug because everyone else around us might be doing it. But it is key for us to still engage in that overall community because it will directly influence our growth and our development. And families, we have to look around at the circles that we have and say, how can this help me grow? How can I become a stronger foundation? Our second question that we have to ask ourselves is how can we be present to speak into the community and families that we are around? Once we get engaged in community, we have to actually look at what is my responsibility in engaging this in this community. Are we actually engaging? Because the one beautiful thing about the body of Christ is this. It is simply just not about you. It's not. It's not about you. It's not about me. God did not create the body of Christ so we could be self-focused. He created it so that we can look and say, how is it actually about them and how I can pour into their lives? How can we be present in the community and the families that are around us? What is your role? And I literally, I tell my teens this all the time. I look at them and I say, especially when they're maybe like, I don't really like this, like how this is working and stuff. And I say, you create the community that you want to see. You do. If you don't like how someone is treating people as maybe they walk in and they're new, you are then responsible to go over and change that. Be that welcoming face. Be that person who's actually going to change it. Tell your friend to knock it off because they're not being nice. But this applies in our lives as well. We are called to create the community that we want to see. And so if we want to see God's community, that means we actually have to start plugging in and doing something about us, about it. And this is also about pouring into like other generations. And I mean, I'm sure you can look at me, but it's easy for you to say, Taylor, you're a little biased. You work with teenagers, so of course you're going to talk about younger generations. But genuinely, pouring into younger generations, no matter what that may look like for you, because a younger generation for you maybe look like, looks like someone who already like, is in their 30s and has kids, like all the way down to the babies. Like this is multi-generational. We have to pay attention to the younger generations. God talks about it all the time in the Bible, the importance of sharing with those who are younger than us, of guiding them, of walking with them. We are not just exempt just because maybe we don't directly work with them. You are still a positive impact. You are a positive influence. And I love this phrase that I heard that I, I heard this during a sermon once where they said that they were talking about uh, the younger generation and the next upcoming generation. And they said, the next generation are not our replacements, they are our reinforcements. And I love that because it is so true. They are not our replacements, they are our reinforcements. They go through battles every single day like we do. And it is so impactful when we see them as our reinforcements because it helps us see the community of God, not as like, oh, the community's over here and then anyone younger is over here until they get to a certain age. That's not how God's community works. It's all one big community. 
And when we see them as our reinforcements, we also see that they are this strong force to be reckoned with when God is using them. And so we have to look at and say, how can I mentor and walk alongside people? And teenagers, you're also not exempt from this because I see how the little, like younger kids look at you especially, and they idolize you. They want to be you. And so you're not exempt from this just because you're not an adult. You are also responsible for when a child is coming to you and seeking to learn. When you work with the kids maybe and you have the little children walk up to you and they're like, oh my goodness, they're amazing. And really you're like, I'm 12. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. That's okay. They love you. You are a positive influence in their life. And so our challenge is how can you walk alongside people in life, like the ladies that go into mops? How can you do life with um, adults who are willing to speak into the lives of teens? Women speaking into younger women, men speaking into younger men. Being a part of a community that is intergenerational. Families pouring into other families and walking alongside them. Our challenge as a church is this. If we want to see people grow of all ages, we have to start looking at how God calls you and I to love guide, comfort, and encourage to build those families for those families who, and those families who actually need families. And this may require you to step out. But the thing is, is here at the Valley Church, we want it to be a place where people can come in and they can be a part of it. And the family, no matter where life has taken them, no matter what age they are, no matter what they're going through, no matter what their family life looks at home, we are an environment that is following the biblical community that we have. And so how are you actually, that's our kind of final like push and challenge, is how are you creating, engaging, and living out the community that God calls us to be? What is your role in that? Maybe it's stepping up to lead, stepping up to serve, joining a life group, doing an eight-week study, serving alongside other people, or just simply recognizing that you can be the positive like enforcement in God's community and speak Christ into other people and the love that he has. So that's ultimately our challenge that God calls us to today is how are you actually creating this to then help facilitate the family foundations that others are trying to create. All right, I'm going to pray to close us and then um, we'll just see you all out there join into the community. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today, and I thank you for uh, who you are and how you have come and impacted our lives. I pray for our families in here that you are strengthening them. It is difficult. It is uh, sometimes very lonely. It's a very difficult task to kind of make sure that our community and our, um, that our family is, is following after you, God, but I pray that you give us strength. I pray that you welcome um, uh, all of us with open arms, that you are just... Uh, present in our lives, that you give us wisdom to speak into other people's lives, that you give us that light and that encouragement that we need to go ahead and plug into your community and the body of Christ, God. I thank you for what you created it to be, the beautiful picture that you created it to be, and I pray that you give us wisdom and strength to make it like that and live it out here on earth, that we can be um, a light shining on a hill. We just love you so much, Lord, and, and we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, 
or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives change lives.